0: You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets Podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets Podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates, from DNVR, where you can subscribe for $3.74 per month. You get access to everything that we do over at that site. Nuggets coverage, Rockies coverage, Broncos coverage, Avs coverage, Buffs, Rams, and then it's just a bunch of fun stuff. Be a part of it, become a member, and use the promo code MADES, M-A-R-E-S. You'll get a free shirt. All right, enough of that. You know the spiel now. Today's episode of the show is going to be on the win over the Sacramento Kings. The 3-0 Denver Nuggets. The number one seeded Denver Nuggets. They get a win, and they get one ugly in Sacramento. A lot. I mean, I'll be honest, there's not a lot of notes in this game Especially compared to the average game I'd say there's probably like 60% of the notes that I that I usually would have and a lot of that is just you know It was an ugly game. It wasn't a pretty game at all um both teams missed a lot of shots I thought Denver was lucky in, in a lot of this To kind of escape with Well they were lucky to escape with the win But you know there was a lot of possessions Where they just got fortunate at key moments That I think could have could have really swung the game And um, you know It just was a sloppy game And then probably the worst game I've seen Jokic play in quite some time Denver finishes 101-94 uh, to 94 Over the Kings They shoot 36.7% from the field Oh That's that's horrible. Twenty seven point eight percent from the three point line. Oh, that is also horrible. Um, And then, you know, just 19 assists, 10 turnovers. It it, it was an ugly game. It was an ugly one. Um, But a win is a win. And the Denver Nuggets, I think you could look at it now and say they've got three wins and none of them were really pretty. That Portland win Denver shot lights out. But, man, you know, there was there was plenty to not be too excited about. But the flip side of that. And this is actually probably more in line with how I look at this when I step back and take a look at the 10,000-foot view. The 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 big picture is that the Nuggets are good enough now to win ugly. The Nuggets have not played an A, a game yet, I don't think. I think they, you could say that. First game was a B game. Second game probably... A C plus game, B minus game, and then this one probably a C game or C minus game, and they win all three. Two of those on the road. Um, one of those against the Phoenix Suns, who turns out to be a pretty good team. So, um, so I think in pre- I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. Um, but of course, when we get into the notes, most of these notes are going to be somewhat negative ones, and that's just the nature of what was what turned out to be an ugly game. So, if you're new to the show, I, when I do notebook episodes following every game, I, uh, you know, I, I go linear. I go right in order of how things happen and how they appear in my notebook so I bounce around a lot. It's not like I'm just gonna talk about Murray, just talk about the offense or whatever. I'm just gonna go in line with what I have and um, and you know try to share some of the, the subtle things maybe you might have missed from the game. So let's dive into it. Sacramento Entered this game reeling. Sacramento's been on a, you know, they've had a tough go of it. Uh, 0-3. They got blown out by the Phoenix Suns. This was a team that last year was everybody's darling. Um, I think they're a very good team, but uh, just, just have not had that same look that they had last year. They've got a new coach, Luke Walton, um, and things just not going very well for uh, for them out of the gate. So this was a team that was hungry and and desperately needed a bounce back win. But also one that was coming in with no momentum. And the Nuggets started out hot right out the gate. You thought, oh man, maybe Denver can really deliver a knockout blow early. They go up 12-3, to and Gary Harris had it going. He really had it going uh, all game. He got the player of the game, uh, or the game ball. We do a game ball every single uh, game over on DNVR. You can find that on Twitter or on our Instagram page. I think it's a cool thing. We track it all year long so you can see who's racking up game balls, who looks the most impressive. Um, And Jokic had the first two game balls, and this one we gave it to Gary. I think you probably could have made a case for Mason Plumlee. In fact, he probably would have gotten my Vote but Gary Harris deserved it as well 17 points four rebounds two assists Five of nine shooting and then Three of four from the three point line it's good to see Gary Harris knock down some open Shots hopefully I mean this team Is just better with Gary Harris being good So hopefully this was a um You know, shaking off the rust a little bit, uh, type game for Gary Harris. But Denver jumps out to that 12 3 lead, and they had an opportunity to put this thing away. Uh, Had they gotten that thing up, had they just maintained a nine point lead for most of that quarter, um, I, I really think that especially with the second unit being as good as they are, if you could have made it to that second unit with that nine-point lead, I think you had a great chance of putting them down double digits, you know, 15, 16 points um, at the half. And and at that point, you're really talking about um, not an easy second half, but a second half where you feel confident and comfortable and the margin of error is just so big. But they didn't. They got out to, to that 12-3 start and then immediately coughed it up. Um, but Gary Harris got going, and I just think they look different when he is hot. Jokic was getting killed in this game in the pick and roll Rashawn holmes a ridiculous game the game of his life you could say 24 points 13 rebounds 10 of 14 shooting two block shots he was a plus 13 a team high and game high plus 13 he was dominant and quite frankly we don't say this often He dominated Nikola Jokic in this game. This was one of Jokic's worst games in in a really long time. He looked disinterested. He looked slow. um, He looked a little pouty at times. But Rishon Holmes early in this game was putting him in the pick and roll and just finishing around him, through him. um, You know, Jokic not recovering. It it was really an ugly game. I think the tape, fortunately for the Nuggets, they have a back-to-back because if there was a day off for Malone to go into the film and and maybe sit down with Yoke, this would have been an ugly one for um, for Malone to have to. There would have been a lot of things he would have called him into the office for to, to take a look at. Um, but if you just compare the stat lines, twenty four and thirteen for Sean Holmes, plus thirteen, Jokic nine of nine points, just nine points, nine points, thirteen rebounds, and a minus three. The, the, you know that's a TKO. Um, the Nuggets did get in the bonus at the six minute mark of this game of this quarter. So right out the gate, they were drawing fouls and put themselves in position to really have a strong quarter, but they finished with just six total free throws in the first. So they didn't capitalize on that. They got that great positioning, but they weren't able to, to make anything of it. Jokic missed a bunny early on And maybe that frustrated him I mean he had a wide open layup and he missed it You never see Jokic make those types of mistakes But he missed it um, Jokic then He might have gotten fouled As one of those ones where he shot fakes Holmes goes up in the air And then Jokic goes up kind of soft And Holmes kind of pushes him Gives him a little nudge And there's no there was no call I watched it on replay And it was clearly a foul But you know Holmes so skinny Jokic so big And, and a lot of times Jokic is still not getting a ton of respect from the referees Um, but he didn't handle it well he gives like an intentional foul picks up his second foul by just basically shoving Holmes out of bounds Um, and I get his frustration but at the same time I think he was also frustrated because Rashawn Holmes basically had his number in that first quarter I don't know what he had in the first let me look it up here but in the first quarter Holmes was dominant and you know I'm not surprised that Jokic was maybe feeling a little frustrated he hit 11 points on 5 of 5 shooting Rashawn Holmes did in that first quarter so so definitely an ugly one Uh, Uh, For Jokic. Second unit checked in, so Nuggets go out to a big lead, then they fall behind, and the second unit comes in, and that second unit competes so hard. They're really getting an identity. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit because I think it's actually interesting, the identity that they're forming and how maybe that changes whenever they bring in you know new pieces. But um, but they competed. The only problem was they could not make a shot. One of nine from the field in that first quarter, and as a result, you know Denver was sort of struggling to stay in it. They fall down seven points, 28 to 21. That second unit, I thought, did a good job. Of defending, trying to execute, but they just couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. And, you know, some nights uh, that happens. We'll take a break, but but before we go back, remind you that this episode of the show is sponsored by Indochino, which is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering locked on at checkout. Kings were on fire. They were on fire in that second quarter, and they started to get comfortable. They were in rhythm. They had it going. The crowd was starting to get into it. Mason Plumley was great tonight. So Jokic bad, but Mason Plumley thankfully, there to, to save the day. Um, and a lot of that second unit really... And I mentioned their identity. I want to talk about this now. You throw Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley into a lineup, and they're going to have an identity of hustle, um, toughness, grittiness. Maybe not the most skilled but they're going to be a, a group that kind of flies around and mixes it up. And I think those types of lineups are especially useful when, you know, it becomes a dogfight. and this game early for the nuggets, nothing was working and you kind of just want to scrapper at that point. And that's kind of what that second unit did. And in and, and that second quarter, they really started to kind of get their footing and, and saved sort of save the day for the Denver nuggets. Um, but the question now becomes, you know, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley. Okay. They're, you know, they're malleable, they're athletic, um, you know, young they can run they're in great shape you know maybe they fit in in that way but they're not necessarily a gritty group if you swap Tory Craig for Michael Porter Jr., the interesting thing is, is that unit still gritty? Is that a still sc- a scrappy unit? Is Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, um, Michael Porter Jr., Grant, and Plumlee, are they a gritty group? I don't know. And, and look, I'm, I'm not saying that that means that it's not a good one. That'll st- I think that it'll still be a really good group, but um, it's worth noting at least that the Nuggets, I think, would look will look a little bit different and will have a different identity if and when you swipe, swap Michael Porter Jr. Into Tory Craig's place Or whoever's place He'll end up taking um, Gary played a lot better But he still had some Weird plays in this one He had the You know early on He had that pass to no one He drives to his right Gets to the free throw line And then just kind of Throws it to nobody a Really weird one It wasn't like a tough Read or anything like that It just was a bad Turnover Um he missed a wide open layup like a really wide open layup on the break So yet still has a few plays in there that you kind of go huh what the, what I wonder there's going on with him But nonetheless the, the good far outweighed the bad with him in this game there was a cool possession, and this will be up on the list. Not a lot of clips on the list for tomorrow. I think six or seven. Um, but one of them, Millsap gets switched out onto an island on Bogdanovich, who's a great one-on-one scorer, one-on-one player, very crafty. Um, you know, uh, Uses a lot of fakes and a lot of footwork. But Millsap stuck with him. It was actually a super impressive uh, play. So if you were looking for Millsap to maybe be slowing down or losing his a step on the defensive end, um, at least he still so- shows signs where he can stay with some of the more good perimeter oriented players Um, I wasn't a fan of Jokic and how much he shot from outside so here's my big thing with Jokic I mean look First things first, Jokic had a bad game. It's been a while since he's had a really bad game. Um, but, you know, it happens. It's not, I, I don't think, I think we can overanalyze it. And I know a lot of people throwing out the take, oh, he's fat. He's not in shape. I want the record to state I agree with you. I think that Jokic's conditioning is a little problem. It is a problem, but I do think it is something. I, I don't think he's in phenomenal shape. And I do think that weight that he has on him, that little bit extra weight he has on him, probably. Limits him a little bit in some of the stuff that he can do. I mean, that size, you know, he likes to throw his body weight around. Rashawn Holmes, not a strong guy, and he was muscling Jokic tonight in, on many possessions. So I don't know that Jokic's body weight, you say, I think his harshest, you know, his biggest defenders will say, oh, but, you know, we know he played 65 minutes or whatever last year. That's true. The question isn't, is Jokic good? Jokic is really good. I mean, he's a top 10 player easily, even, even as is right at this very moment. But the question is, could could he be a little bit better and and I just happen to think yes I, I, I do think he could probably shave you know 10-15 pounds and, and and still have the same strength but be a little bit quicker and um, I'm not saying that's why he played poorly tonight but it's certainly when things like this happen it's certainly easy to point to and, and I just happen to agree so I saw some people saying why don't you ever talk about Jokic's weight um, like are you covering for him or something like that and it's like no I mean I, I agree with you he, I think he needs I think he is a little bit overweight but at the same time you know he He played great in the fourth quarter of the Portland game. He had some really great moments, triple-double, monster triple-double against Phoenix. I mean, he's still good. This was just a bad game. Um, And it was a weird game from him. So here's one complaint. If you've listened to this show for over a year, you've heard me make this argument before, but it was really evident tonight. Jokic is a really good player when it comes to reacting, and and that's what he loves to do. His brain is faster than everyone, so the moment you make a mistake, he pounces. Whether that's you send the help from the wrong angle, he finds the open guy, uh, or, or whatever. Ever. But the thing with Jokic that I think he really was really great at in the playoffs and the thing that I was hoping we wouldn't see from him anymore, on nights like tonight where he just wasn't feeling it, he needs to force the defense. So there's reacting to what the defense does, but then there's also sort of manipulating the defense to do what you want them to do. And I thought tonight especially in the post, Jokic was just so passive. He wasn't trying to go quick. A lot of his post-ups, you know, he would take five, six dribbles. It's like he was waiting for the defense to send the double team. But, you know, sometimes force them to send the double team. Make your start, making your move, get them out of rhythm uh, or or get them to do what you want. And if they don't, then just go and kill your guy. I mean, Rashawn Holmes should not be able to hold Jokic to nine points. So, uh, you know, again, off night in the regular season, Monday night game, I'm sure it's not that big of a deal, but it is one of those things where, Um, Jokic I think needs to train himself how to when he's not feeling it he needs to train himself how to respond because a guy of his caliber just can't have the games where he's like I wasn't feeling it today um so attacking sooner I think is a big part of that. Millsap so it's funny Millsap isn't a big part of Denver's offense but on nights like tonight he was he he has to be like he he's and it's a nice thing to have a guy that you can put out there and say um you know go one on one we just had five possessions in a row that weren't great and Millsap only nine points himself 4 of 9 shooting but you know a lot of those buckets were one on one type buckets when Denver just had gone scoreless three or four times throw it into Millsap and he gets you something um so it's nice to have um... I want to talk about Murray is a really fundamentally sound player. I have a cool video up on the list for tomorrow. The Lonzo screen. I call him the Lonzo screen because Lonzo ball is so good at these. But um, Murray, he's a great screener. He's a great cutter. He's a great. He has like a good feel good for where he is supposed to be. He's in the right spot a lot. Um, he he he's really getting good at the pick and roll. Um, he he's a fundamentally sound player, and I think that doesn't get talked about a lot when we discuss uh, Jamal. But he has a lot of really really Strong fundamentals. So this one play, the Lonzo screen. Jokic is in the post on the right block, and uh, Murray cuts through. But rather than cut through and go all the way to the corner, Jeremy Grant's in the corner, and he kind of tells him, "You stay there. I'm gonna set what's what's called a hammer screen, which is basically a flare screen right on the block." So Jeremy Grant's guy helps over onto the block, and he's in position to kind of contest Jokic. Should Jokic get past his defender, and Murray he cuts through and then sets a screen that hammer screen on that player. And what I like about it is, I, I said this yesterday when, and I showed an example on the list of. Uh Uh, Paul Millsap doing this where you set a screen on somebody and their natural instinct is to fight back like if you start pushing on them they want to push on you back and Murray does this but what it also did was De'Aaron Fox who's guarding Murray both guys kind of get confused about okay well if you're pushing on Murray does that mean I need to run out to Grant both guys kind of run out towards the corner and then Murray slips that screen right to the basket I just love plays like that because one of the keys to offense is making the defense think in I think it was Hubie Brown that said this 50 years ago. He said, the most important thing a screen does is it makes the defense think. Well, Murray's setting this hammer screen, and what it does is it caused the defense to think, okay, he's screening me, where do I need to be? It creates just enough confusion for Murray to slip at the perfect moment. He gets a wide open layup off of a great dump off pass from Jokic. And it's little things like that that Murray does all the time that most players don't do. And they're just great fundamentals and great feel for the game. Murray, Murray, a really sneaky fundamental player and then the starters played well in the third they rallied back um, the, the second quarter was for the, the bench the third quarter for the starters the fourth quarter for the bench um, so it's kind of cool to be able to see that you know different groups playing good at different moments um, that second unit can really defend I've got a great play up on the list where Torrey rotates really well to tag the roller steps up and gets the steal but the reason he was able to get the steal few things happen on the basketball court because of one person um, Tori is able to kind of lock up and get a steal. I think it's on Dwayne Dedman, but the reason he gets that steal is because Dedman rolls, catches it. Tori's already in position. He read the play early. He got to his spot early, and then when he went to make the pass to Torrey's guy, Malik Beasley, of all people... Perfectly timed rotation to cover the backside as did Jeremy Grant. It's just one of those textbook defensive rotation plays that, quite frankly, Malik Beasley doesn't have a lot in his film role. So it was nice to see Beasley make that backside play and then Torrey Craig gets the steal. That, that second unit can defend. They make some mental errors and, and you know, they, they fly around sometimes in ways good and bad. But when they lock in, they can do some really great stuff. Um, Jeremy Grant, I've talked about his passing. He had a phenomenal alley-oop to Mason Plumlee. Um, those are the type of plays that really give me hope. Uh, Jeremy Grant's an interesting one because the number one thing is he stays in his lane a lot as a player. And that's one of the things I like about him. I love players that know their role and don't step outside of their role, especially, especially that caliber player, like Jeremy Grant's not expected to create offense for Denver. So he knows that. And then he just kind of sticks to what he does best and he stays there. But when I watch him, He's got really good coordination. He's got some good mechanics and he's clearly worked on his shot a lot. But when I watch his handle, he makes the same like two or three moves all the time. And they're usually what I they're my least favorite type of moves. A guy of his athleticism and his length straight line moves are are the key. One dribble, get to the rim, jab, step, you know, and go, go right, go left. But but what he likes to do is he puts the ball down and he likes to give, you know, crossovers and little shimmies and do a bunch of stuff with the ball. And to me, he's got the handle that if he just changed sort of his instincts and changed the things he likes to do, I think he can really open up his offensive game in a way that um, makes him an even more valuable player. So the Nuggets training staff and player development staff goes into work with him this summer. That's one of the things I really hope they work on, because I think the foundation is there. He just right now, he's been such a low usage player that I kind of don't like his uh, his moves. But even with the passing, I think he can be a really good passer and you saw that on that oop that oop he made was a really high level play high level read for a low usage forward like that Both teams in the fourth quarter missed a ton of looks. In fact, you can kind of define that fourth quarter mostly by the looks that everybody missed. Um, Some momentum, uh, really uh, momentum-altering ones. Both teams shot 16% from three. One of six for Denver, two of 12 uh, for Sacramento. And a lot of those 12 shots were wide-open ones. And they were wide-open or semi-open shots from guys like Buddy Hield. Um, You know, they weren't like they were scrubs taking those shots. Buddy Hield goes one of five in that corner. De'Aaron Fox goes 0-3 so I said Denver gets a little bit lucky. Denver missed some easy ones too that they got. I remember one in particular Will Barton wide open in the quarter. Jamal Murray got one on the wing. They got some good looks but um, neither team could. That fourth quarter became a war of attrition. Um, but the the sort of the big swing in this quarter, about six minutes to go, Gary Harris knocks down a three, put the Nuggets up ten, and then Jamal Murray gets a steal almost right off the inbound, dunks it, Nuggets go up twelve. Sacramento forced to take a timeout. Six minutes to go, Nuggets up twelve, everybody's rolling, and you think, okay, Denver can put this thing away. Timeout. Jokic checks back in, the starters check back in, immediate, immediate 12-0 run for the King, so Denver had built up that goodwill, completely blew it, I think actually it was a 12-2, I could be wrong about that, 12-0 or 12-2, immediately blow everything that they just had worked on. And now you have a slugfest down to the, the little bit. And I want to highlight a couple plays because they were the plays of the game to me. But Barton's offensive rebound, this is about a minute 30. Denver, I think, up three at the time. Barton gets an offensive rebound. Paul Millsap drives, puts up a shot. It rims out. And it's like Millsap's in there. I think three Kings players are in there, including the forward and the center. And Barton just skies for the rebound. It was a pure wheel and determination play where he grabs the rebound. Then he's trapped. There's only like three seconds on on the clock he has to go up with it and he goes up strong probably could have gotten the foul call but he goes up strong and finishes that one and it puts him up five and I don't think Denver wins the game if he doesn't hit that shot to me it was the most important shot of the game because it, it, you know it was a one that would have made it a one possession game if he misses that plus you know Sacramento going the other way with momentum and it was one of those plays where Will Barton has been so good this year his numbers don't look great um, he's continuing to, to sort of struggle as a shooter um From the field and I think tonight Five of 14 from the field so Also continuing to struggle Although some of those were like you know he shoots It gets the offense rebound shoots it again and misses He had a couple of those but um, But he's doing all of the little things he's Defending like crazy I have some Really cool video of him um, for tomorrow In the pick and roll because he's a really crafty Pick and roll player Um, Especially in contrast I've been talking About some of these things and this is how I'll do the list By the way it's interesting when I can zero in on a thing that I'm really noticing game in and game out and sometimes I'll hammer that two three times in a row so I know I've been talking a lot about Tory Craig's deep or spacing issues and things like that you know probably move on from that I don't want to pick on Tory Craig too much but um but talking about the pick and roll and how guards attack that big and w- how that's such a key to whether or not Denver gets a good look you know that's been a really interesting theme and I've shown Murray and how he does a great job of that I've showed Gary Harris and how sometimes he does a good job of that but some but he really struggles and gets forced into the float. Well, Will Barton, you know, one of the things that made him such an interesting pick, in my opinion, as a, as a starter as that at that small forward position is he's a really good pick and roll player. And I have a couple of really cool videos that just show the subtle little things he does that create openings for him to attack or to drop it off. And he had a couple of really, really great examples in this one. So look for that on the list. I think you'll really, really enjoy it, especially, and by the way, if you're thinking about subscribing and you enjoy listening to the show, maybe you've got kids and, you know, playing ball. And at the high school level or college level, whatever it is, you know, subscribe to DNVR and check out the list. Watch those videos, maybe send them. It's a great opportunity for you to connect with your son or daughter or something like that because I love the game of basketball. I used to coach, um, you know, middle school, high school, AAU, and I really enjoyed that aspect of basketball because I was a player. In case you're new to the show, I I played collegiately um, at at some lower levels. I've played in the pro ams around Denver. I really love. The game of basketball from like a As, a, as like a thing to be studied um, I just find it so fascinating in the tiny details when I was In high school and especially when I was in college I used to love the workout part of, the, of of Basketball I love the games of course everybody loves the games But I love the like Getting in the gym and working on every tiny Little detail and trying to refine it um, and, and so I loved coaching and Teaching those things too and hopefully You know some I, I think most of The people listening to this just listen as fans and it's like Oh that's interesting and you're learning something new about The game but you know there's probably people out there that Have kids that are that are playing or, or Studying or something like that and you never know Maybe they'll enjoy um, and they'll Catch some of my passion through this show Going through the video and maybe there's something they learned that they can translate to to their their life or their 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 game and work on it because I think the best way you can become a better basketball player is watching and studying other basketball players and and so Barton, the, the clips I have of Barton and the pick and roll, some really cool subtle things that he does that I think are high super high level. Um, so Barton knocks down that putback shot, Jokic drains the fall away from the free throw line um, Barton hits two free throws and then Jamal Murray ices the game so so when I talk about this was an ugly game, Denver is a team that has a lot of talent. And they were able to, when push came to shove and those four last possessions, they get buckets on every single one of them. And they're just such a talented team that they can win games ugly. And I think that's a really exciting sort of development for this group. So here the nuggets are three and zero. And now they look ahead to tomorrow's game where they match up with uh, the Dallas Mavericks coming into town, Denver an opportunity again to play in front of the home crowd. And Dallas two and one, Dallas a pretty good team. Um, They have, I think, I actually think this will be a, um, this is a game where I look at and I think, okay, Denver very vulnerable. For one, we haven't seen a great Denver performance. So number one thing I'm looking for, can Denver string together uh, a full game where you look at it and go, oh, wow, that was an impressive one. And then, um, you know, since Jokic played so poorly, does that mean he's going to have a good game? Um, You know, a lot of times Jokic, when he plays poorly, he wants to come out and make a point the next time. He also hasn't played against Porzingis in a while. You remember, it's funny to think. Back in the day, I'll have to tell the youngins this that don't remember watching the Nuggets or weren't watching the Nuggets two years ago. When Jokic and Porzingis both came into the league, everybody was talking about Porzingis and how good he was. A part of this was because he was in New York. His game's a little bit flashier. You know, Jokic is like the smart but groundbound player. Porzingis, so tall and dunks it and he steps back and falls away and shoots the three. And, you know, he's a really good scorer. Um, but it's funny because. You know us, the Jokic people, and I consider myself in there um, (laughs) very much as as a Jokic believer, Jokic truther, if you will. You know we considered that matchup to be like laughable. Of course Jokic is better. The proof is in the pudding. Well, you know part of this is the injury, but fast forward now two years later, and it's not even a debate. Jokic first team All Center, largely considered by a top ten player. In fact, I think it's now. You're in the minority if you do not consider Jokic a top 10 player. And Porzingis has really, you know, fallen off the map. Again, a lot of that due to injury. But I think there was also just sort of a, um, you know, you kind of saw the warts with uh, with them. But the, Maver- but the Mavericks come in, could have easily been 3-0. and They lost by two points to the Trailblazers uh, a couple nights ago. They beat the Pelicans. Pelicans have been pesky. And then they beat the Mavericks. So uh, I would say they have no good, you know, maybe one okay win, one easy win, and one good. Good loss, I guess, to Portland. You know, pretty good team. Um, And they were right there. But what's interesting is Luka Doncic presents such an interesting matchup for Denver. Denver does not. This is the type of player Denver struggles with. Tall, wing. Um, pick and roll players, and they are going to have one of the best pick and roll duos in the NBA. With Chris, it's really a pick and pop with Chris Stapps and with uh, uh, Doncic. But I also think you know they've also got players like Dwight Powell who can roll to the rim, Maxi Kleber who can knock down the three. They really space you out. They play the exact style of basketball that I think gives Denver the most problems. So I'm curious to see how Denver responds to this one. And then lastly, I think what most people will be interested in. Denver is on a back-to-back. This is their first back-to-back of the year. Of course, last year they went 11 and one. I think in large part because they have such a deep bench, and you know you can rely on that bench. Um, you, you know when you have so many good players, you can maybe sit your starters a little bit more on back-to-backs. But what I'm interested in is does Michael Porter Jr. get in? You know I've always said, and I told you this a week ago, that I thought this was a test as much as anything. I mean I really do think that Malone thinks he's going with his 10 best guys, and that's who he's got right now. But he wants to get Michael Porter Jr the game is tomorrow the night again I think I said this two nights ago I I said this against the Phoenix game that I thought he would so I'm already 0 for 1 but this one but this time I really mean it I think there is a good chance that Michael Porter Jr. gets in I do think there's a chance that you know they go to maybe an 11 man rotation and you know that would just be exciting I think it'd be a big boost for Denver if he was able to get in and if he performs well and again it's all about that first opportunity. If he gets in and plays well, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for him down the line. Um, so tune into that. And again, guys, don't forget to subscribe to DNVR. Use promo code MOD as You won't regret it. You'll enjoy it. The list, which I will put up probably tomorrow sometime around noon, that'll be up there. Um, and then some great stuff. We'll probably have a live show on Thursday. Nuggets take on the Pelicans. The DNBA show coming up on Friday. And some great articles in between there. We have player grades up. So after every game, make it a habit tune into dnvr and check out the player grade so you can see how all the players how we evaluated them immediately after the game Um, and then follow us on social media lots of cool stuff on all of those platforms currently and more coming that we're adding all of the time Really proud of the work that we put in. And of course, we rely on the support of people. Not the support, but we rely on, on the belief. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you enjoy the way I talk about and analyze the game, don't miss out on all of the stuff that I am doing. And half of it, I would say, is behind the paywall over at DNVR. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's been fun. Hoping to have another one tomorrow. Hopefully, I can talk Matt more into staying a little bit late with me at the can and we can pod together. We haven't been on together for a while. So as I hand off to him for the backside of the week, hopefully tomorrow we can provide instant reactions to the game thanks everybody for tuning in don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review if you have not haven't received one for a while so hop on there let me know what you're thinking we'll see everybody tomorrow